0: Welcome, everyone, to a, an episode of Free Association. I today am talking to Edward Brower, CEO of Utreon. Hey, nice to meet Hi. you. Nice to meet you, too. Uh, so, why don't you explain, because some, a lot of our audience is actually on YouTube specifically, what Utreon is for the audience?
1: So, we're a subscription platform uh, for video creators, so, primarily for YouTubers. Uh, and the difference with us and all the other, um, all the other, you know, sort of alternatives to YouTube and alternatives to all the subscription platforms like Patreon, is we're, we really do everything in one. Um, but yeah, we're we're a video subscription platform, and we have built-in video capacity, which the other subscription platforms just don't have.
0: Yes, uh, I did notice that years ago when I was trying to use Patreon that it was basically I had to upload to YouTube, to link it to Patreon at all. So I yeah, it it's very um it's a very big umbrella for video creators specifically to be like a subscription based platform. So uh can you explain the name though?
1: So the the name is uh Utreon. It went through one name change from Utreon to Utreon. Um what I tell people is just think about it. Oh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then that's the amount of time it takes, and then yeah. Yeah,
0: that <laughs> makes sense. Okay. Um, now I have read some of your uh, about section and everything for Utreon, uh Dug through some things, and you said stated that you felt that the algorithms on YouTube were the problem and not actually censorship. Can you explain that a bit more to my audience?
1: So, so censorship. So, you could simplify the problem with YouTube as okay, it's basically censorship, and, and to a large extent it is. Um, but what that's led to is um, you know some competitors to YouTube concluding okay, if the problem is censorship, let's do the utter opposite, which means literally anything can be on. And you know there's some uh, some video platforms like let's say uh, BitChute, where you sort of see that in action. Um, the end result is really like zero point one one, you know, zero point zero zero one percent of content just poisons everything in the sense that, you know, literally no brand would ever go on there because um, they don't want to be juxtaposed, um, and it becomes very difficult to have access to the payment system um, because all the payment systems will basically um, block the entire service. So it's just it's just sort of you know ideally there would be no censorship and that wouldn't be a problem and people could just say hey this is my algorithm and you know i don't have to see things that i don't need to see but just from a point of view of actually creating something that can compete in the market um you know we've basically decided to say okay these are the red lines um these are our roles. so for example you know we we block uh, we have a very small list of organizations that we explicitly block so uh, and the list right now is uh, the KKK, Antifa, fa neo-Nazis. So yeah. what we do is, yeah, we 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 sort of set that that bar. We just explicitly say what that is, and our goal is to sort of, you know, expand the the window of what is quote unquote allowable. So you know, when YouTube was banning people for talking about COVID, and especially things that ended up being right, um, or they're banning people from being on the wrong side of you know. The Ukraine Russia war, according to them, um, you know that's just insane. From, from my perspective, from our perspective, and so that's sort of um, that's what we're we're building to allow. Um, and but we do have explicit limits, and those limits keep us in the game, so to speak.
0: So I did see your rules, and your rules are very simplified, incredibly simplified, uh, especially compared to something like YouTube. I've been talking about this quite a long time now about the idea that the rules are vague by design to trick people up. Um, and your rules are so simplified, um, that it is completely different than anything. Most people have experienced as creators. Um, and you, and you do state no KKK, no Antifa and no neo-Nazis. And I was wondering are in relation to that, because sometimes on YouTube's a, a lot, you will get gigged for, talking about things, without explicitly promoting them. Are creators allowed to talk about these groups? Are they allowed to show footage of them? Can they interview a member without being um, like promotion, but like more of a investigatory content? Um, Uh, Is that allowed? Yes. Yeah.
1: So, so we've, uh, so for example, so a lot of, we have a lot of history creators. Um, some of them are focused on firearms. Some of them are just general history. Um, but you know, some, some history channels are just, uh, covering classical history, but the, the channels that tend to get in trouble on YouTube are covering obviously world war II and stuff like that. Um, and you know, our, our tack with that is yeah, you're covering history. That's a part of history. Um, you're literally doing it from an, uh, an educational point of view. so if you were to look at um, one of our biggest creators, Ian, he has 2.4 million um, subscribers or followers really on on YouTube. Um, and when he publishes with us he can actually not blur um, you know German flags from the World War II era on his thumbnails and stuff like that because we understand that that's history content um, whereas YouTube's algorithm is, it just completely lacks any discernment, right? Like a human can understand what you're doing. You're covering a period in history. If you're showing any footage, like, okay, it's gonna have German German uh, World War II era flags. Um, YouTube just lacks all discernment. Um, and that's what we're trying to solve.
0: So in relation to that, you, you brought up um, historical coverage of it. What about something that's like me, in, the, in the media coverage of current, like neo-Nazis or Antifa? Is that allowed? Um, yes. And how do you distinguish it?
1: Well, so look, you- if, it were, if it were essentially, um, you know, an organization like Antifa putting out their, their information or, or neo-Nazis, um, that would not be allowed. But if it were independent uh, journalists covering them, um, that would be allowed. Um, if if literally hundred percent of what they covered was just neo Nazis and in a very positive way, you know, you could maybe argue, okay, they're probably crypto Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> but so so again, it just goes down to human discernment, right? Um, and. You know, a lot of people will kind of ask, like, how do we know you guys are not going to change? And, and, you know, it's going to, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be different. It's like, well, you know, fundamentally, that's what you just face with everything. Um, you have to uh, keep people to account, make sure that they, they follow up on what they're doing. On, on our side, we think we've um, modeled our rules in a way that makes a lot of sense and kind of gives people a sense of, of safety and knowing that we really mean it. Um, they can see it through our actions and also through you know who we're hiring. We make sure people understand what we're doing. um and we're we're just taking very systematic systems approaches to making sure that we don't have we don't end up ever having the sort of um, censorship issues that YouTube and Patreon have.
0: I did notice that you have a a by comparison to YouTube, a large amount of firearm content that um, because, I know that there's some, some argument to be made that you don't want, ad, advertisers don't want to be associated with firearm arm content, but some advertisers would not have a problem with that. Um, mm. like, like, okay, a children's toy company probably doesn't want to be associated with firearms content, but some, someone um, like maybe an alcohol company wouldn't mind it. Um, so, and I do see that that, Content is growing on your platform and that it is already much bigger than it would be on YouTube. Um, so I can see how already there's there's room on Utreon that there is not on YouTube. It, because YouTube explicitly already tells you you cannot ma- monetize firearm-related content. Um, and I do appreciate, I saw this from your roadmap, that you put subscriptions and uh paid chats ahead of advertising revenue in your launch roadmap and i i thought that was pretty amazing from my perspective but what why did you guys decide to do that
1: so um fundamentally the reason why youtube has to focus on advertising is because it's mostly a free product Uh, they do have youtube premium but it's mostly free product uh, YouTube memberships which takes thirty percent which is kind of confiscatory um, they, you know they think they're the apple app Store um, that that was just in reaction to patreon and it took them years actually to do it um, and it's a very underused feature because people one, from the client perspective from the user viewer perspective they don't really want to be giving money to these fan companies necessarily um, and then from the uh, from the creator perspective um it it's kind of um when YouTube controls your discovery and they control your client list and they control all of your revenue, you're really in trouble from a strategic point of view. It just makes no sense. So that's why YouTube memberships, um, doesn't quite work. Um, sorry, sorry. Could, uh, I kind of lost myself there. What was the <laughs> So the question
0: is why did you front load subscriptions oh, right, right, and right. paid chats over ad revenue?
1: So, so f- fundamentally, what we realized very early on was um, it sounded from the outset like a lot of YouTubers wanted an alternative to YouTube. Um, so the, the, you know, for example, Joe Rogan said like a few years back, he goes, you know, why isn't there a competitor to YouTube? I feel like there should be a competitor to YouTube, at least like a number two or something. And there really is no number two, um, practically speaking. Um, and the, the, the so that was the part said out loud, people want a competitor, the part that's not said out loud, the silent part is they want a competitor that's already solved the catch-22 of having all of the viewership at the same time. Um, so it's a complete catch-22 for any anybody who's trying to start a, a video platform. And the reason is the technical term is network effects, YouTube has network effects. So the way network effects work is that the the value um, the value of the network grows exponentially with the number of users. So think of instead of you know one plus one you've added a second user now you have two it's more like you know one plus one is now four <laughs> so so it's it's like the value of the network actually grows um, more than linearly super linearly to to the um, to the the number of users so essentially, those network effects are impossible to beat. And all of the platforms that are, that are framing themselves as alternatives to YouTube can't beat those. Um, so our, our perspective is we don't want anybody to leave YouTube and nobody leaves YouTube. Why? Because that's where all the discovery is. So our focus has basically become um, focusing on subscriptions and doing what Patreon and Subscribestar and, and there might be other ones um, don't do. So we do video and we see we see the kind of network effects that you have with the video platform. We see that as an emergent property. So you can't start with that. So um, right now we have, if we're just focusing on firearms, we have so many firearms channels that we're starting to see some network effects, meaning they all have overlapping audiences. They're starting to comment on each other's channels. Um, they're starting to, you know, they'll uh you know, Patreon and subscribes are a bring your own customer. So, you know, channel A will bring someone over, and then that person will subscribe not only to channel A, it'll subscribe to four other channels. And we see this happen. Like it's kind of like people go on a shopping rampage. They're literally unloading their Patreon and they're loading everything up on Utreon because we have the availability. So that's sort of the early signs of network effects that we're having in niches where we start getting uh, a critical mass of content. Um, But you can't start with trying to be a video platform. So the advantage of us over Patreon and Subscribestar is we natively do the video. You were talking about the crazy workflows that you have on Patreon. Like if you want to give early access, you have to do an unlisted video on YouTube and then put that in the post and then the link can get pirated really easily because it's just an unlisted video link. And then you have to remember to go and actually publish that video on YouTube later on. What we did is, you know, with one of our creators, uh, Ian from Forgotten Weapons, he said, "Hey, I'd like to be able to do early release." And we worked with him, and we actually developed a really nice early release system that has a scheduler. So at this date, you make this available to this tier. This that's the early release, and then the final release is at you know a free tier or everybody at this date. So we automated yeah. everything, and we do everything in one product. We replace um patreon subscribe star locals rumble we, we just do everything um so so that's sort of the the thing we've been taking and uh, to finally loop it back to um to, to what you're asking about which is advertising um youtube started as not being focused on memberships so the only way they could commercialize a free product was advertising frankly for us the advertising it's to we're adding it because the um the channels want advertising um, but the advertising only becomes relevant once you get those network effects. It's not going to be relevant for a while. Um, but people like to know that we have it. Uh, and we also use advertising to some extent. we have some dummy ads. Like we have ads that are 4k enhanced, um, uh, uh ads from the nineties, like the original super Nintendo ad or, or, or original Coca-Cola ad, to, like make it widescreen and 4k enhanced. Uh, and We'll use that to get people to use something called Utron Plus, which removes all ads from every channel. But if you're subscribed to a channel, you have no ads on that channel. Um, and when people get Utron Plus, we actually give 55% of that revenue to the channels that people view that have Utron Plus. So we're finding ways to, to make ads work for creators before we have the network effects for ads. Um, and we also have a messaging feature that nobody has. Uh, that Utreon Plus gives you the ability to message anybody on the platform. Um, we can talk about that too. But yeah, we're 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 basically I of all the of all the alternatives and on on the subscription and the video side, I think we've thought things through uh, thought things through the the best, I would say.
0: I I understand that like from the perspective of Utreon coming or being created so much later in the game of a video of video platform's life on the internet you guys get to just like compare past methods and choose the one that you think works better. And I I, like, essentially YouTube started completely free um, and was pretty much the only dog in town for a very long time. And um, I feel like at this point, it is almost to the level of Facebook's ability to build things where it's a cobbled together kind of mess Versus Utreon right now is a lot cleaner because it's younger and you're a lot more focused on what you're delivering. YouTube still does not have a messaging system. Uh, It's sort of like it's so old at this point and it still has not given us that ability, which means creators, the way they contact each other to possibly collaborate is either through an email, if the creator lists one available or by commenting on a video. And this is such a, a, from a professional standpoint, as a creator, this is not helpful. This is not uh, a good way of going about things. So the fact that you added that, when I've not seen that on other platforms as per yet, and especially not on YouTube, I feel like that is actually a brilliant move that puts you, um, from the from a creator standpoint, uh, above and beyond what a lot of other people have done. And I... I th- I do want to commend you for actually thinking of that because I think uh, there's a lot of problems that creators bring up about YouTube all the time uh, to each other, on um, in comments, uh, in their own videos, directly to YouTube, and that is one that I feel is undervalued as a problem. So I am glad that you have actually done that. Now, uh, a lot of people are talking about, though, the censorship issue uh, of YouTube, and we've covered it a little bit. And you mentioned Russia and the blockage of all Russian media. And um, I, I did want to expound on that because there was a blackout of Russian media and, uh, and creators uh, possibly not, no longer being able to create content or monetize content. Um, and... Why, uh, what do you see Utreon's places in politics when it comes to something like that? Like it, what is YouTube's responsibility to the world? What is your responsibility to the world? Um, and is blacking out a possible political enemy, good or bad for society?
1: Yes. So, um, we, it's, it's interesting, uh, uh, someone we know is um, has contacts with RT, um, specifically RT France, and uh, so this has actually been coming up. Um, so we did a, a bit of research in, on this. Um, it turns out that uh, RT and RT France were banned in uh, in Europe. So this is an EU directive. They were banned three days into the invasion. Uh, and they appealed a few months ago, and they were denied uh, the right to even appeal, which is uh, which is, is kind of shocking. But um, that just seems to be what's happening. Um, YouTube went above and beyond uh, what the law was, and and uh, I'll add in parenthesis uh, in Canada, um, the Canadian broadcasters removed RT. Um, And then Canada made sure to pass a law to ban RT, even though it was already removed, which is just a bit of virtue signaling, I would say. Um, RT America was, uh, uh, well, they went BK um, just immediately uh, because they weren't being broadcast anymore. So I'll I'll just close that parenthesis. So there is an EU directive that's banning uh, the diffusion, both on web and uh, on television. It's very broad uh, in Europe. So. You know, theoretically, what YouTube could have done is they could have geo-blocked RT in Europe uh, and Canada. They went above and beyond. They geo-blocked them. They didn't delete their channel. They geo-blocked them in every country on the planet. Uh, And that's where we're getting into um, the sort of editorializing that we built Utrend to avoid. Um, We can't do anything about laws. so. You know, if, you know, if RT has to be jail blocked in France, so be it, in uh, Europe, so be it. Uh, what people actually tend to do is use VPNs to get around these, and nobody can do anything about that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, our, our take would just be to strictly follow the law where we have to. And otherwise, you know, it's not up to us to, to ban RT and say that, you know, RT is propaganda but CNN isn't. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I I do have a problem with the with politically deciding that your enemy's news is propaganda, but there is no propaganda on your side. Like that is kind of a fishy statement to me. So I I agree with you there. And this is you you bring up geo blocking now and and laws in various countries and uh, uh, state organizations. Now uh, I've talked about this before, but There are, there are copyright claim problems with YouTube where um, fair use isn't recognized in some countries. So they uh, tend to, if a, if a organization, if a company's organization in a, in a country that does not recognize fair use, copyright claims, your video, they can take the money from it. Now, um, my thought is just geo block them in places or give creators access to geo block them in places that don't um, support fair use. And what is your thought on that and how creators could possibly on Utreon get around this issue?
1: Yeah. So our, our intention is, and part of, uh, part of doing something better than YouTube is alternately giving sort of release valves where we can and sort of empowering creators. So, so for example, um, with ads, we have a really good tagging system where you just say exactly what's in the video and then we'll generate a content rating. Um, it'll kind of be like when you see tech, uh, content ratings on an HBO show, like adult language and stuff like that. Uh, and the intention when we built that is because we knew we'd want to use that when we had advertising. Uh, so the the goal would actually be for advertisers to be able to say, "Hey, we don't want you know, let's say Coca Cola or Disney. I don't want to advertise on anything with uh, adult language or or um, or graphic language." Um, and the the second thing is actually letting creators say, "Hey, I don't want this company advertising on my channel." Um, or saying, "Hey, this video, I don't want to show it in this country." Um, so so from our perspective, the goal is just give people maximum tools and actually let them understand what's going on. YouTube's sort of a mess. It's like you know they're they're owned by an advertising company called Google. Um, Adsense is most of their business. Um, and you know that's why, for example, in 2016, you had the apocalypse. You know, uh, Google is being boycotted by the advertisers, and you know it's a very easy decision for them. Um, they're losing billions of dollars a month. You know, just pull the plug on on YouTube and then ruin every <laughs> small business creator that's that's on YouTube. It was sort of devastating, and that's what propelled Patreon from being just this little you know company into being actually a pretty big way to support outside of YouTube. Um, So yeah, we we just see see ourselves as kind of building systems to avoid problems. Um, Same thing what we're building towards on uh, moderation um, is actually a system where uh, you have a flag weight. So let's say I I, uh, flag something and I say, hey, this is breaking this rule. Um, That'll get sent to a jury of other people that have a high judgment score um, or meet a threshold they'll basically be able to say, if they look at the thing, they look at the, what the rule is, they'll say yes, 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 no. Um, and then that'll actually create an outcome that can get appealed all the way up to to, um, to us. But ultimately, if you flag something and that gets, um, uh, that gets uh, reverted, then that means that the weight of your flagging has actually been reduced. So uh, we've actually thought through a system that'll actually create um, dynamics that make it essentially impossible to uh, to brigade, um, and will essentially ensure that um, all moderation is done uh, towards the intention of the rules. So for example, Google has no choice but to use machine learning because they grew so quickly on YouTube. They, uh, they have to use machine learning for all this stuff because they're dealing with billions and billions of things. Um, so it's very hard for them to change what they're doing. In our case, we can actually to human learning, Um, uh, you can imagine how such a system is actually training humans that actually want to help out with moderation, how to actually moderate with the intention of the rules in mind, because there's no point maliciously doing the opposite because you will actually get a reduced flag rate. So it's self-defeating. So again, we've we've just thought these things through um, beyond uh, anybody else, I think.
0: I definitely think that is a better system because there is a lot of false flagging going on on various platforms, false reporting of people, um, especially in mass. Uh, <laughs> and, and it has taken down channels. Um, for example, though, uh, we on unsafe space had a year old video flagged for misinformation and it blocked us for a week. We had and the, the appeal was rejected immediately out of hand. Um so I've talked about that before um on my four fifty one degrees show so i um I agree much more with an actual jury um because it feels like it's more in line with actual justice um, and then also a a form of essentially punishment for um accusers false accusers uh, yes. i i feel i feel like that i mean not they they may just be um misinterpreting the rules but it, it is better than um what is currently going on on a lot of platforms which is just well it was reported by a bunch of people so we're just going to take them at their word essentially um well
1: the idea do- sorry to interrupt but yeah the, no. the purpose of common law is to sort of um develop cases um develop edge cases and also to educate so um you know w- just like a patent system, you know, when you're reading a patent, okay, we learn from this patent that this. It's like, well, you learn from this case that this. So, because we have multiple levels of appeal, and you ultimately get up to um, the rule committee at Utreon, um, you know, the goal is to actually not only do that, but actually publish the decisions and the reasoning. And the goal is to actually teach people what the rules are, whereas uh, YouTube, and I'll, I'll quote verbatim, um, someone was talking to their. Um, to, uh, to their um, account exec or representative at YouTube and uh, they were asking, well, what's the, what's the actual rule on this? And they were told, um, I can't tell you because if I did, you would figure out how to get around it. So it's just, again, like that, that, that illustrates everything.
0: Yeah, I've talked before about the, it, they essentially call that the bad actors defense. If you know the rules, bad actors will work around it. And to me, I, I, and I've seen that not just on YouTube, I've seen other companies use that. Amazon uses that. Um, a, a lot of companies will say, oh, we can't tell you everything because bad actors will get around it. And this kind of uh, vagueness in policy I, I consider um, deliberately vague um, as a way of allowing them to choose when they are going to enforce the rules. Um, because, and also it's a lot harder to take them to litigation if you don't know what you did or did not violate, um, how do, how do you prove in a court that they have misused their rules when they never publish what the rules are? Um, well, it's so it's the,
1: old, uh, it's the old, uh, non-posted speed limit thing, right? Yes. You know, <laughs> you know, the cop decides if you're a criminal today.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, I, I've said that that's I've I've explained how if that's wrong in law, it's certainly wrong in contracts, like terms of service. Uh, that it's it's still not appropriate to not know the limits. Uh, now, I, if people want to test the limits, I do actually agree with that as a as a process because it kind of can let you know a little bit more details. Um, but the idea that you cannot even know. A vague idea of where the limits are is inappropriate. Now, um, now the the rules on YouTube are written by human beings. The algorithm, to some extent, has some human in, like creation behind it, some impact from human beings, and also a lot of the a lot of older videos, especially, are flagged by human beings. Um, now, we've already talked about essentially how your system prevents that from being abused. Now, uh, can you talk about how that kind of censorship, the, it's essentially brigading as you've put in your rules, but, um, is, is a problem on platforms right now?
1: Uh, the, basically going back to older, well, it's, it's basically, um, post facto law enforcement. So, uh, if you broke a rule, uh, when it wasn't a rule, then, well, you didn't break, break the rules, but, um, if you can at any moment pass a new rule, and then uh, people have content libraries of thousands and thousands of videos, and potentially any one of them is in fraction of any number of new rules, then you've effectively recreated the uh, no posted speed limit scenario, um, where you can um, you know you can surprise any channel. Uh, so. so so yeah, it's, it's, it's completely ridiculous for, the very, for all the obvious reasons. Um, now it could be that there are legitimate new rules that have to be imposed to, to make platforms function properly. And the way to deal with that is um, in some cases you probably have to grandfather in old, older content or you have to give reasonable periods to enforce, and in some cases, you just have to recognize, hey, this is like unenforceable. Like nobody's going to review a million hours of, of video. Uh, so what we have to accept is, if older content is in breach of this new rule, then depending on the date of the older content, okay, well we're just going to deal with that content. We're not going to we're not going to give uh, the channel one out of three strikes. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. I, I, I know I have more than a thousand videos on my own YouTube channel and the idea of going backwards and looking through all that content to find out what I did wrong. It, I don't have the time. I there's, and I don't have, I can't outsource that. So, and I, and I feel like there's this imbalance of power going on and it, on YouTube between creators who most of us are indie uh, people like a one individual creating content with no other employees. There's a lot of those channels out there versus YouTube, which is owned by Google, a huge company. Um, and they're using, while they have way more people and and lawyers on their side, um, they're essentially bringing down all that power, uh, in retrospect on us. And the idea that, um, we can't fight them because we are individuals, most of us, or smaller companies, makes it um, very easy for them to abuse us. Uh, Now, I have heard some rumblings of YouTube unions for creators and uh, class action lawsuits, which they are open to with how they have been enforcing some rules. and what do you see that as a viable option for creators? Or do you think that they should go to a secondary platform instead?
1: So, um, ultimately, uh, a YouTuber union is, it's really just a, uh, a talent agency, um, because there's no actual enforcement in it. And I don't think we would want everybody to be enlisted into a single union, um, so, you know, really that, that doesn't solve any, anything. It's just adding a layer of abstraction. Uh, the fundamental problem is sort of the dynamic that they're constantly recreating, which is, for example, with copyright strikes, um, they've created incredible tools that allow um, uh, rights holders to um, strike tons and tons of things like in the click of a button. And uh, that the, the amount of work required from the from the creator perspective when something is um, wrongly flagged. Um, the amount of work is just incommensurate with the amount of work on the other side. So they've created these d- dynamics where w- one side has great tools uh, available to them and the other side just has no tools that are available. So that's something that YouTube is consistently doing. Um, going to other video platforms is not practical, practical and not happening because of network effects. So, you know, there's a few uh, platforms, including Utreon. UTRON, if you go to it from a, a viewer perspective, it looks like a video platform, and it is one. But you know, we understand that we don't have the network effects. Um, so, so, and and network effects have to be emergent. So we're getting critical mass with you know again the, the history guys. Um, so we're developing some critical mass there. It looks like we're going to get there also with French content. Um, so, so that's something that comes later. And yes, then at that point, uh, alternative platforms become relevant, but they're not relevant at this point. Um, and actually I'm just thinking of something that you brought up earlier, which was um, it's incredible that YouTube, this huge company like has never developed you know, messaging so that people can actually go in contact with each other without putting their email addresses in comments, which is sort of crazy. Um, it's worse than that. YouTube used to have emailing, They had this weird thing it was you could send messages to each other and it was almost like an email um they buried it a few years ago and then they got rid of it i believe in 2019. um so it's not only that they're not doing things that would obviously be great tools for for creators to be able to uh, collaborate and work together um they're actually going the opposite way um so if you go back to that that uh, three things rule where youtube has your discovery youtube has your your relationships with your clientele, basically your viewers, um, your subscribers, your supporters, and they have all of your revenue. Again, that's contributing to that. Um, they have all. They make it so you basically can't work with each other, or they make it very difficult to work with each other. Um, and again, our perspective is whether we're talking about copyrights, give tools to creators to actually have the have some leverage, be able to fight uh, on equal terms. Um, and Same thing for you know, the messages thing like yeah, let everybody communicate we realized uh, You know, we had a creator to the extent that we're, we're doing subscriptions and we're we actually have, you know Basically more features than patreon at this point. I took a while to get there um, mm-hmm. But you know someone was asking hey We really need to be able to have uh, users message the channel and we realized at that point, you know hey, let's make it so everybody can message each other so Uh, If you're if two people are subscribed to the same channel, they can message each other. Uh, If they have utron plus, they can message anyone on the platform. Um, It also deals with spam because you put this little barrier uh, that you actually have to have utron plus or be subscribed to a channel to be able to do it. So it solves a few problems at once. But yeah, we're all about actually creating creating uh tools that let everybody operate on the same terms.
0: So um what do you, uh, to go back to the question a little bit, what do you think of the idea? Because, and I think not having a messaging system actually impacts this, um, of some, some creators on YouTube are talking about class action lawsuits about enforcement of rules being uneven. Uh, and it's kind of hard to get everyone together and like put money together to hire a lawyer if you can't contact each other. Um, so do you think that's a viable option? And, and to some extent, do you think YouTube is is pushing against it with the lack of creator collaboration?
1: Uh, it's hard to say. Some things <laughs> are probably accidentally on purpose. Um, some things are not. They're just accidentally. Um, <laughs> so it's very hard to tell. Um, I would say it definitely goes to their advantage to um, be in control of coordination and communication. Um, it does make it very difficult for people to coordinate and in effect. Uh, and they actually did remove that feature. I, now, I'm sure from their perspective, uh, they think the feature was underused and that's why they removed it. I'm sure it was underused because they buried it. And I'm sure they buried it because they just didn't consider it important to them. Um, so, but that's just, you know, my assumptions. But, um, you know, a class action lawsuit, I mean, I don't know, could it work? Fundamentally, we have to actually get 230 to work. So, um, you know, some people say, oh, let's get rid of section 230 uh, and have them legally liable for everything since they're uh, since they're acting like a publisher. That's actually the wrong thing. But, like the idea of section 230 is really good. Make them utilities, uh, make them not editorialize. And, um, that would actually be a pretty good outcome. The problem is right now that they're uh, they're you know having their cake and eating it too. Um, they're having the legal protection of 230, uh, but they are editorializing. Um, and so so getting 230 enforced properly would actually be the solution. Um, the second the second point is that and people have to understand this: everything is an algorithm. So you know if I'm reading. Uh, let's say it's the first day of school, and I'm reading the the, the uh, student list, and I start with uh, Alex, and then Bruno, and then Carly. I've used an algorithm. I'm sorting by by alphabetical name, first name. Um, by definition, a platform is showing you things, and unless they're literally using a random system, and even a random system is is an algorithm. It's an algorithm. So reforming section 230 is going to be kind of interesting because you know what what youtube is going to say is uh our algorithm promotes content that is monetized because as a company we need to have revenues we have tremendous costs with video and our algorithm is therefore promoting what's being uh, monetized and then wait a minute if you're demonetizing stuff because you don't like it let's say they're talking about COVID or whatever and you've demonetized it well, now the algorithm is being "quote unquote" objective. It's just looking at what makes more revenue for the company. But now you've you've sort of tilted that. Um, so th- there's actually a very hard problem about um, handling this. This uh, it, it's going to be really tricky, um, and uh, it might it might be that the algorithm ultimately has to be punished, uh, published, and that's that's the defense. Um, or alterable by the user, maybe that's the way to go. Um, but all of this is very much up in, up in the air and, and you know, I'm not sure how any class lawsuits are gonna go and I haven't looked into them in detail.
0: Well, I mean, uh, to some extent, uh, demonetization is run by an algorithm as well. Um, so it, it it's probably not directly speaking to each other but th- it is definitely looking for certain flags to possibly demonetize people. Now, that's that's the case with new content. The old content is mostly being demonetized by a user reporting on it. Um, so I, I could see how those two systems not necessarily talking to each other could be um, considered objectively innocent, but at the same time, algorithms involve human beings. They don't exist without us. So it's still something that they could change if they wanted to. Um, And I agree with you that I I don't know how a class action lawsuit would ever come to fruition in the first place is my issue with YouTube, which is why I am sort of like, find alternative ways to make revenue. I'm, I'm very big on that. Um, because I don't necessarily trust all of Fang to ever be really hit hard by some by some lightning strike move so much as people getting tired of them over time and moving away from them slowly. Uh, I see that as being more of a reality, which I think is essentially what Utreon is helping to support is a slow move away from something like this. Uh, And I do see that as growing that like every, it seems like every day more people are like, I've stopped using X company because of this move or whatever, and that happens all the time, but it's not everyone at once. It's a small amount of people over time moving away from these, from the fame companies. So I, I actually do agree with you that I don't I don't really see that a class action lawsuit or any major government move is going to really hurt them. Uh, I see government moves as helping them so far. Uh, so <laughs> I don't I don't see that being where we find a solution. I do see the solution is slow and gradual, which a lot of people are unhappy with. They're impatient, which I get. I absolutely do understand. Um, but I have noticed um, your other uh, competitor, it's not really subscription-based though, is uh, Rumble. And Rumble has been experiencing rapid growth within the last few months, what with um, some channels on YouTube being banned and or facing too many demonetization or strike issues and going straight to Rumble, like exclusively. Um, so what, and they're more... They they do emphasize free speech on their um, platform. And what do you see as possibly being a competitor here uh, to Rumble?
1: Um, so Rumble's kind of interesting. They they're an older company. Um, they were doing uh, you know monetization of ads that would play as embeds on uh, on news websites and stuff like that. Um, they took off when Bongino went on, and they really took off in um, you know what you could basically call right wing politics in, in the U.S. Um, and critically, they got an investment um, from uh, Narya Capital with Peter Thiel in the deal, uh, and they use a SPAC, so they've raised uh, a lot of money. Um, if you actually go onto Rumble, um, it's interesting the, the the view counts that you're seeing. It's pretty clear that they don't have general network effects. They're starting to get some network effects in um, right wing politics. Um, the product, from my perspective, um, is maybe underdeveloped, um, and you know they're they're competing with YouTube. But the the, uh, the problem I see is that they're really fenced into what uh, what they've leaned into. So don't get me wrong; it's a huge market, but uh, that might be the limit of of that market. Um, or the limit of, of what they're going to grow grow into just because of, you know, what was the first thing they got into. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a potential problem from for the, from their perspective, and you know we'll see what happens. Um, I know that their uh, their CEO um, likes to emphasize that they're, you know, for everything and, and that's that's great. but, um, you know, it's pretty clear what their what their market is right now and what they're focusing on. Um, so yeah, from my perspective, the product is a little undeveloped, uh, and, um, I, they're, they're, they're actually trying to take YouTube head on. And and I just don't think it's, I think it's, you know, trying to approach it the wrong way. So we'll see what happens, you know, maybe they're right, but, um, (laughs) we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns out.
0: What do you think about the, uh, the Odyssey system?
1: Yeah, so uh, they're interesting, too. They're originally based on um, crypto. So uh, that was originally a library. And uh, they were also able to raise a big amount of money. It was through uh, what was effectively an ICO. Um, They got into trouble with the SEC about it because it was unregistered uh, from the perspective of the uh, SEC, of course. Um, So they're still dealing with trouble with that. Uh, They made a really good product called um, Odyssey uh it also is getting with um you know i think it i think early on they were mostly crypto stuff because you know it started out as a crypto thing and i think they're getting a little bit more into um politics but again same thing they, they see themselves as uh being open to everything and they do have a lot of uh, different kinds of content not just uh not just that stuff um but Ultimately, uh, the the crypto aspect where they had those coins, uh, you know, we all see what's happening in the crypto markets. That's not great. Um, and also, they're again, this is just my perspective. They're approaching the problem from the wrong direction. Um, so, you know, we'll see if that ends up going going well, just like with Rumble. Um, but really, for for us, our strategy is clear, and and we think approaching it from the other direction and letting. Becoming a video platform, being a merchant property, we think that's the right way to go.
0: One thing that I've noticed between the difference between the four uh, is that while it is easy to start a YouTube channel, it is not easy to get up to monetization levels. It took me several years. Uh, on Odyssey and Rumble, it is not easy to start a channel there, uh, from a creator perspective. Uh, Odyssey, you have to be already big channel to start there. And, um, essentially, otherwise you have to upload everything yourself, uh, which from the, from the perspective of already having a bunch of content is not all that doable. (laughs) And then for rumble, the issue was that, um, Live streaming is still locked. Like they said, it was locked behind a paywall, essentially for creators. But now it's also it's no longer locked behind a paywall, but it is locked behind a number of um, followers, essentially. Uh, so that's still kind of harder, uh, if especially if you are a mostly live creator. And Utreon um, is different in that you have to ask. Like you would, you don't uh, just create your channel. You ask to create your channel, and you can get approved. Especially if you already have like a a channel on YouTube, especially Uh, you tell them about it, and they might, and and then they'll approve to start importing your videos as well. Which Rumble does have that, um, and so does Odyssey. But some, to some extent, it's locked behind things. And I've been syncing my Rumble. To my YouTube channel for months now. It has not finished with my content. Uh, that's how long it's taking. I, I, to be fair, I have over a thousand videos, but at the same time, that does seem like it's taking a long time. Uh, and then uh, to do live streams on on you also have to ask, which I have asked and I haven't been approved yet, but I asked this weekend. So don't think it, it's, it's not been like an outrageous amount of time that I have been waiting to hear back on that. And I find that the ask I thought was weird because a lot of places it's just like, these are the, the requirements. If you don't meet these requirements, you can't do it. YouTube is like, everyone just do it. Just go ahead. Here's your access essentially. Um, but Utreon literally has you ask, And I, I find that interesting from the perspective that you already talked about how uh, flagging things, reporting on things involves so much human elements to it that even creating your channel involves human interaction. There's a lot of your channel, your, your platform that is based on creating more human interaction instead of less, which is completely different. And I think this is probably your biggest benefit actually because of the fact that uh, people are, a lot of people are getting really tired of the idea that a algorithm decides for them what they can and cannot do. So, why did you guys d- decide to go with actually asking um, to create channels and live streaming?
1: Okay, so so um, we see our goal is creating value. Um, so, originally, when we were uh, just starting, our uh, We had an application process to create channels, and the reasons were simply to um, manage onboarding of content because we sync people really quickly. um, We have to manage sort of capacity um, to be able to do that and guarantee a level of quality of of that. And and for example, um, unsafe space, I'm sure, was synced like really quickly. so we originally did it for that. We also did it for some moderation uh, purposes. Um, and by moderation, I actually mean spam. Like every 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 um, amateur SEO person wants to create accounts everywhere and, and it's just all spam and it has no value. Um, so from our perspective, it was uh, limiting that. Also limiting cost, frankly. Um, a lot of video has absolutely no value. Um, you can have channels with 10,000 videos and they're all, nobody watches them. So, if nobody watches anything and on YouTube on top of that, um nobody's gonna watch it on Utron because we don't even have the the network effects to discover that nobody wants to watch this anyways. So from our perspective, it's uh, it were it was actually doing a lot of things. It was ensuring the quality of the initial content. Um, uh, ensuring that because we're, we're looking at the content coming in, we can say, okay, well, let's be a little bit more lenient on this because we want to have more of that content to sort of round out what we have so let people come on and they see all kinds of content. Um, so it was really solving for a lot of things. And we realized eventually that actually what we want to do is be the premium platform. Um, so for example, if you look at um, Apple and Android, um, Apple and Apple fans see themselves as the premium one um, I'm sure the Android people see themselves as the premium one or and they uh, don't like Apple but um, you know whatever your side is we're the side that you think you're on um, <laughs> so so so, we, so we, want, we want to be the the actual premium product where you know we're taking on on channels like we take ourselves seriously in what we do and we want the channels that come on to take themselves seriously um, and to really use what we're doing um, with live streaming the reason we ask is, frankly, live streaming costs money. Yeah. Um, so it's live streaming is like having your tap on. Um, it costs roughly like $3 an hour, I would say. Um, so from the perspective of it's, of it's like having your tap on, you have a lot of people that are live streaming to Rumble, and what they're really doing is simulcasting. They're, they're streaming to YouTube, and they're also simulcasting to Rumble, and that just has no economic value because Rumble doesn't have the network effects to really have a lot of viewers. Maybe in some cases they do but in a lot of cases, they don't. Um, So for us, what we're trying to emphasize is actually streaming for people that at a minimum have used us for subscriptions. So we have several creators that have, you know, several hundred subscribers and when they do a live stream with us, that live stream has this built-in user base of subscribers that are paying, they're, they're bought in and they wanna use the system. And so we know that that live stream is gonna be seen. But when we have live streams that have like zero viewers, there's just no, no value there. So what we're trying to do is um, encourage everybody to actually use us as their primary subscription system because uh, you know Patreon, the intended tier for everybody is the 8% tier, Subscribestar is 5%. We also charge 5% for, for subscriptions, um, but we actually host your video, which nobody does, that does, that focuses on subscriptions. So we just have way better value. And we also have um, features that nobody has because we do everything in one. So for example, if you uh, see a comment on your on a video, you can actually see the lifetime value of that commenter, how much they've contributed through ultra chats during a live stream and through subscriptions. So you can prioritize your, your engagements and stuff like that, which is important to creators. So yeah, we're, we're building a lot of tools that are based on um, having all these features um, we're trying to take the premium platform approach. Um, what you'll have noticed uh, maybe on some of the channels, like let's say, Forgotten Weapons or or CN Arsenal, um, uh, French channel, Les Incorrectibles, uh, a lot of these channels, we've introduced something called a Pro Layout, where we're sort of displaying your channel more like a Netflix, um, which is something we we could talk about That's that I think would be quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, we're, our, our, our approach in the market is to position ourselves as the premium, th- uh, premium product that actually does everything and is an actual solution for, for everything. Like we replace, you know, we replace several products. Uh, if, if you have people that have a Patreon or Subscribestar and they're using uh, Telegram to message between people, um, we're already, you know, replacing all of those things. Plus we have the video. So if you're using Patreon and you're using Vimeo to have your video separately to YouTube uh, for create uh, for uh, uh, for supporters only, like we do all of that in-house. We, re- we already replaced several companies. Um, so the goal is to make a unified platform that really gives uh, a lot of features set and creates value.
0: So, yeah. Um... I want to bring up something. It's pretty off-topic, but maybe um, this is something that not a lot of other platforms offer. You offer user privacy in a way that no other platform does. Like, you don't even have passwords. It's passcodes, one-time passcodes to uh, log into the platform. Uh, Can you explain why you guys focused on that so strongly?
1: Um, That was... When we started, I wanted us to have one-time passwords uh, because I just saw as, that as like where the puck is going. Um, frankly, we have a lot of people that are um, that really want 2FA. So these are more security-minded people. So they want a password plus the passcode. And then on the other side, we have people that, you know, you can explain the one-time password to them, but they really just want passwords. Um, even Even if, you know, we know the reasons for which those are unsafe, they tend to be reused um they tend to be vulnerable to a bunch of different types of attacks um so we'll eventually make it an option to have passwords and eventually an option to have 2fa but one time password for us was um it seemed to be a very good balance in the middle um and really like yeah you have to put in the one-time password but uh, you shouldn't be asked for a couple months at least and uh seemed to be a good uh, compromise as a sort of first implementation
0: now, I, I also noticed that on the roadmap, TV apps are very, were very far down. In fact, right now they're the last one, but that is for this year. Um, can you explain why you guys put that one so low? Because I feel like a lot of platforms undercut their value in video um, creation by not being on TVs.
1: Yeah, so, so a lot of platforms um, don't implement it because frankly, every time you implement a client, that's a whole tech stack that you have to maintain. So all of these companies, um, other than maybe Rumble at this point, which has a lot of cash, um but I think they're um they're not competitive in terms probably of hiring, um, just because people are probably more interested in working in Silicon Valley and stuff like that type companies. But um you know in theory, they could build a lot with with a lot of cash that they have. Um, so so in general, yeah, there there's you'd want to be on every platform. Uh, someone asked us about LG TVs, like, frankly, LG TV uses web OS, the market share is almost nothing. So we're probably not going to do a client for that. We had to tell them. Um, for us, the probably the distinctive thing is we actually have a roadmap of having TV apps. Um, and I've kind of been building up to this, but we launched the Android TV app last week. Uh, the iOS app is uh, coming and we're actually gonna implement at some point a Roku app because uh, that seems to have 38% market share. uh, I
0: was gonna ask you about that because I actually have a Roku based TV and I was curious um, because uh, live streaming platforms, Twitch was removed from Roku um, because of, um, I call it cannibalization and a few other people call it cannibalization as well. It was on Roku taken off of Roku because Amazon wanted people to get the Amazon fire stick to be able to watch Twitch, which was, I thought not a very good business decision, um, based on the market share of Roku TVs. Um, so I was, I was curious about when Roku was going to come into play there, but, um,
1: yeah, the, the platforms. sorry, I'll, uh, just very briefly, the, the platforms that, um, platforms are doing that. Their incentives are not aligned with themselves. So what I mean is uh, when you're t- looking at YouTube, the the algorithm for incentives is really Google's, not YouTube's. That's why Google was uh, YouTube was not allowed to buy Twitch uh, in 2014. That's how Amazon scooped it up. Um, Google wa- uh, YouTube wanted to buy it. They ran it up to Google. Google decided they're not gonna risk having the entire company broken up um, you know late 90s Microsoft style. Over YouTube getting Twitch, just implement the feature. Um, but that, interestingly, that is the first um, lever they went to—just buy it. Um, but they weren't allowed. Uh, Amazon—you would think it's in their interest to have—it's in the interest of Twitch to be everywhere. It's not necessarily in Amazon's interest. So you have really misaligned uh, interests when you have these conglomerates that own um, the actual platforms. Yeah, uh,
0: Google is famous at this point for. Buying or creating products that they then shutter, um, and people get on them and try using them, and then they are—they, I feel like to some extent they're maybe spreading themselves too far or not giving things the time and energy they need to be successful. Uh, It seems that YouTube was already kind of. A success in viewership, not necessarily success financially, um, for Google to decide to keep it around. It's 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 number one in viewing, even over streaming platforms that you pay for, currently. So t- to that extent, they probably wouldn't shutter it anytime soon. Um, but I I could see that uh, yes, definitely these. Higher up, companies that own a smaller product company are not thinking long term about what would be best for these product companies. I mean, Google is is essentially famous for this at this point. A lot of people talk about it all the time. But let's uh, let's start wrapping this up. So, where do you see Utreon in the future, like five, ten years from now?
1: Uh, so, so we think that we can get to the size. Uh, our hope is we can grow um, and become very competitive with Patreon uh, because we're focused on video. We think like we do today a much better job than Patreon or Subscribestar for video creators in terms of all the functionality we have. Um, like one thing I didn't mention is, you know, if you tag a playlist on Utreon as a show, it's automatically now transcoded to MP3 and it's now a podcast and it has all the oh. metadata. It has the the cover art from the playlist. Uh, it has the episode numbers, like everything. So you have these beautiful pro- podcasts that are automatically generated uh, from your video groups, or playlists uh, in Patreon. Uh, these are features that you know Patreon—they'll turn your blog posts into an MP3 feed if you've been attaching MP3s, but it's just very sloppy. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, like we're, we're the way we see it is, uh, we think we can be the premium product um, that really does a good job with around subscriptions for video creators. Uh, we think we have the advantage over. The technical advantage over what we built, over all of those other platforms, um, and I think the on the video platform side, I think that's something that, as I've said, emerges. Um, you don't start with that. Um, people like that we have it and that functionality, and that's that's another big part, obviously, of the advantage. Um, and I think that's something that's going to start cont- continue to emerge. We have some of them, uh, some network effects, and we're going to keep getting more. Um, and I think you're gonna see that uh, in a few years in in a whole bunch of different niches. Um, and eventually, you know one of these might become as a second a second competitor that's actually competitive with YouTube. Um, and you know if if uh, if our market theory uh, turns out correct, then that'll be us. um or maybe it's a company that doesn't even exist yet. but um <laughs> I think have uh, I think you know we built a lot uh, in the past three years. Um, and I think we definitely have a, a good running advantage in terms of the products. Um, we haven't spent anything in marketing, uh, until now, like absolutely zero, because from our perspective, it made no sense to spend on marketing, uh, when you have early products, like we were saying, these products, um, have been buggy up until now, like all of them, because they're, they're competing against fangs, um, or VC funded companies. You know, YouTube was originally Sequoia funded. Um, in this now, Google funded essentially. Um, So, so yeah, it just didn't make sense to spend anything on advertising until now. Um, I think we're, we're probably taking the most responsible approach to growth. Uh, And, 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 you know, right now we're growing 30% month over month consistently. We have since uh, January and um, you know, that's a logarithmic curve and we're working on making the logarithmic curve logarithmic. Uh, So yeah, that's something we're working on. And and I think uh, the future looks good. That's
0: great. Uh, I do agree that I, it sounds like your focus on um, creator features is just the best because I don't see that as being high priority for a lot of platforms right now. As I mean, it hasn't been for YouTube. Um, for example, you did mention that you have the multiple uh, scheduling option for different levels which is something that I would absolutely love if YouTube had it, but they don't. I have to go out of my way to make sure that something goes public when I need it to. And I might forget Uh, that kind of uh, manual work uh, is, it's not needed. And I've heard a lot of users from viewer side complaining about YouTube's lack of features that they want. Um, So I I think this this, this move of focusing on features is, especially over advertising so early is probably the smartest decision. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on free association on unsafe space. And do you have any last minute things to say to the audience?
1: Uh, no, know it's, it, uh, it's been a pleasure, first of all, to be on uh, and uh, to meet you in Beverly um, Who's in the background somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's been a pleasure. Um, uh, it's really cool just telling you about what we've been building because um, you you guys have been on for like a year, but um, I think this is a really good update point actually because we're really breaking out in terms of the feature set. Um, I like we've only gone over the tip of the iceberg. I mean, for example, we have a collaboration feature. You add another channel to your live stream as a collaborator, you got a revenue split. Nobody has this. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Like we have like some, some features that are just magical level. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, like I, I think we should we should talk after because uh, we're, we're we've built some really great stuff and it's all been battlefield tested and uh, uh, <laughs> we're going to make a pretty big dent, I think, in the universe.
0: Oh well, I'm I'm excited to see what Utrion is going to come up with next because so far I've I've liked what I've heard here very much. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining me, including Edward. Thank you so much for coming on. And I we really appreciate you taking the time to watch this free association on unsafe space. If you could walk your fingers over the like, share and subscribe buttons, we really appreciate it. Watch it on you, to give uh, Edward Brower some views on his uh, platform and uh, some uh Housekeeping Book Club is on October 30th, and it is Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. We hope to see you there. Thank you.
1: Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there.
2: Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government sanction experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't think about it, I mean, that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific.